you have your Bibles, I hope you do somewhere, uh, on your phone or in your lap, uh, you can open up to Luke chapter 10. We are kicking off uh, a new series called Too Busy for a Seat at the Table. Um, and much of the content that we'll be talking through, uh, prob there's probably three or four quotes that we'll be even looking at today that come from a book that I've really been impacted with. It's from John Mark Comer. He's a pastor out in Portland. Um, and he actually, this is actually a story of his own personal experience of pretty much burnout. Um, he went, 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 went in pastoral ministry and eventually gets burned out, but he then begins to see that there's a big problem in all of our lives, and that is the problem of hurry. Uh, so we're going to be referencing this book in particular as we go through this series, Too Busy for a Seat at the Table. So Luke chapter 10, it's that familiar text to many folks, um, a simple, short story between Jesus and those two sisters, Mary and Martha. So Luke chapter 10, verse 38, I'll read it and we'll jump right in to it this morning. Luke chapter 10, verse 38, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. What a nice thing for her to do. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. By the way, that was an incredible cultural moment. Uh, in a culture heavily kind of like influenced by patriarchy, for a woman to sit at Jesus' feet is a shocker for, for many. So here she is. She is sitting at Jesus' feet, verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing, one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Uh, this past Thursday night, as we met in our DC, combined DC here, we reviewed the previous sermon series um, from Romans 8, 1 Kings 18, noting for the Christian the absolute necessity for communion and conscious communion uh, with the Lord. And we noted particularly in Romans chapter 8 that there are obstacles to our relationship with the Lord, right? We named a whole bunch of those, but one we did not consider. Dallas Willard, again, I'm quoting from this book. Um, Dallas Willard, he's, he's the late professor of philosophy and theology at Southern California. He, he states this, there is nothing else. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. 
Willard is saying that there is nothing else, there's no greater enemy to the state of our soul than hurry. Hurry, as we all probably know it, it's that inner anxious push, right, from one thing to the next. And now I don't know about you, but while I can relate to this, this issue of hurry, I don't know that I would always say, well, Ed, it's the number one enemy to our spiritual lives. I mean, isn't uh, kind of the sexual ethics of our day, you know, the political and social divides that we're facing, all the bad theology that goes all along with all of that stuff, isn't that like the main problem in our day? Is busyness, is a hurriedness the number one enemy? I've had to stop and slow down and say, all right, Lord, is, is that true? Well, if you remember, we've said it often, as Corey Tin Boom says, if Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. busy, right? In other words, he'll find ways to cut you off from that essential communion with the Lord, right? A another quote, a guy, Ronald Rollheiser, um, can I say this? He's actually a Catholic, right? I, I hope I can say that. We, we do have... Good Catholic brothers and sisters. While I disagree, and we should disagree with some of the understanding of salvation that comes from Catholic theology, there are some who are true believers from um, the Catholic side of things. In particular, Ronald Rollheiser, wonderful man, wonderful teacher, he states this. He says, today, a number of historical circumstances are blindly flowing together and accidentally conspiring to produce a climate within us which it is difficult not just to think about God or to pray, but simply to have any interior depth whatsoever. He says, we, for every kind of reason, good and bad, are distracting ourselves, I love this word, into spiritual oblivion. It is not that we have anything against God or even depth of soul and spirit. We would like these things. We would like inner depth, right? It's just that we are habitually too preoccupied to have any of these show up even on our radar screens. He states this. It's just, it hits home. We are more busy than bad, more distracted than non-spiritual, and more interested got to be honest about it, right? <laughs> More interested in the movie theater, the sports stadium, the shopping mall, and the fantasy life they produce in us than we are in church. Pathological, <laughs> these, the words that he uses are just fantastic. Pathological busyness, distraction, and restlessness are major blocks today within our spiritual life. He's saying we live at a time in history where there, you know, it's this tonic of cultural influences that is upon us. It's these influences that kind of move us away from conscious communion with God, from any kind of depth to our spiritual lives. I mean, you just, you think about the cultural influences of our day, you know, right now. Our culture prizes busyness. To not be busy is to not be significant. 
And even if you would trace kind of the history of marketing, what you would typically see is the powerful people in our world used to be the people kind of out on their you know, lake home in their sailboat. They were powerful and they showed that power by their restful living. Now, today, if you're to see someone powerful, you're going to see them in the boardroom. Right? They're, they're going to have a whole board that they're working with, and they're in the tall skyscraper, and they, they have some grand influence, and they're busy working. Within our day, busy is significant. To be significant in this world, I've got to be a busy person. And you take that cultural value, and you mesh it together with this world of distractions that we now carry about with us, like in our pockets even, that is intentionally designed. It's intentionally designed to grab your attention and to keep it. Right? And, and like Netflix, social media, they're, they're, they're not even like apologizing or trying to hide it. They're actually saying, we want your attention, even declaring, you are no longer the customer, you are the product. The time margin in your life is what they are contending for. They want to grab your attention and keep it as long as you can. That's why, as you watch that Netflix episode, it gets to the very end of that particular uh, episode, and you're like, oh, but I gotta, I gotta see the next, and you're just waiting for that bar to like load until it jumps to the next episode, you know? You're, it, it draws you in, it grabs your attention, and it's intended to keep your attention. So you have these cultural values, you have this world of distraction and media, and then you have like, the advancements of science. Life is convenient now, right? Things are done easily now, but has that made us a more restful society? No. Like whatever margin now that we have, we're busying ourselves with something, oh, I got a little time here now because of the conveniences that I have here, and, and we just continue to get pulled away, sucked away into these cultural influences that cause us then to live something of a spiritual, you know, brings us into this spiritual oblivion. Pathological busyness that even when I have time, I don't have time. My mind's still running on everything else. Another quote by the pastor uh, John Ortberg, he says this, just kind of rounding out this idea of busyness. For many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. Now in our day, don't, don't, don't get it wrong, there's plenty of deconstruction going on to the point where there's no faith left, right? That's the thing in our day. It's, you know, these goofy seasons where certain things are just the thing. You know, deconstructing faith, right? People are deconstructing their faith to the point where they have no faith. But the problem necessarily isn't the theology or the truths that they are, dis, you know, trying to deconstruct. It's the fact that they've had a pretty shallow faith as is. It's a mediocre version of faith. He states... We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. 
The world is pressing in on us, giving us a thousand and one things to do. And what we end up doing is lowering and lowering the bar of spiritual vitality and then come to know it as something of a norm. And the result? Well, for the church, we're often too busy for a seat at the table. We have shriveled souls and shallow spirits skimming through life. Now, with that said, it should be noted from the passage that we just read, the story between Mary and Martha, it should be noted, and I hope you realize this, you should be saying, but Dan, isn't there a place for busyness in life? Busyness, even hurriedness, can at times be fine, and often in our lives, it's unavoidable. You, you can't get, it's just the path of life. It's got to take you into these hurried and busy moments. In fact, that is the reality of Jesus' own life. We see him again and again in his ministry being busy, even hurrying about from place to place to do ministry. He was busy. He was often wearied with ministry. And even in the previous chapter, it's not only Jesus who's busy, but now his disciples are being sent out to do ministry, and they are a busy bunch, if you will. You know? and, and beyond even... Jesus and his disciples, well, he just taught. If you just look at the verses prior to this Mary and Martha thing, he's talking about the Good Samaritan, right? He's actually teaching a story on what it is to love your neighbor. That is the willingness to be inconvenienced, a willingness, if you will, to be busied by the burdens of others. Jesus is busy, disciples are busy. Jesus is actually teaching on like, hey, if you're gonna truly love people, it's going to require something of busyness. You're going to have to be inconvenienced and busied by the burdens of others to truly love them. And even now in our story, Mary and Martha, we can wrongly approach this text thinking, well, Mary's the good one. Martha, she's a bad one, right? And that's not the text at all. To be busy isn't necessarily bad. In fact, look at verse 38. Who welcomes Jesus to the house? Martha. Martha is actually doing what scripture commands, showing hospitality. Martha is in the right in what she is doing. And, and do you realize Mary couldn't even sit at Jesus' feet had it not been for a, an obedient Martha. Do you get it? Right? In, in this sense, Martha isn't wrong. Even as we're gathered here this morning, there are many Marthas doing plenty of things throughout the building so you can sit like Mary, not at my feet, don't get that picture, <laughs> at the feet of Jesus, at the feet of his word, right? People have to be teaching the kids upstairs, watching the little ones. Someone did some cleaning this past. Somebody paid the bills in this place, right? Somebody prepared the music. There was much serving that has gone on so that we could sit at the feet of God's word. There's something of busyness, right? 
that, that actually gives way for others to be able to sit at the feet of Jesus. Many Marthas have been laboring so that many Marys might sit at the feet of Jesus. So Mary doesn't have a seat at Jesus' feet without Martha. A kind of busyness is good and it's right for the Christian, even necessary for us. The question then uh, that arises, well, what's the distinction? How, how do I know when busyness has been, become unhealthy and when do I know that it's actually a, a good and healthy thing to be about in the moment? What kind of busyness um, leads to a shriveled soul and a shallow spirit where I'm just skimming through life, pushed and pushed by this kind of hurried anxiousness, rather than something that's healthy and actually necessary for my life in loving others and loving God. Well, let's jump into it. An unhealthy busyness. We see a few of these characteristics of an unhealthy bu busyness from, yes, Martha. Uh, verse 40, it states, and Martha was distracted with much serving. The idea of being distracted, literally in the Greek, has the idea of being pulled away. It's like a ship without an anchor just getting pulled by the winds and the waves out to sea. And the idea here is that Martha is no longer serving, if we could say it this way, from an attraction to Jesus. But now her service has become a distraction from Jesus. There is a drift in her priorities at this point. She's now prioritizing the stuff to do above her Savior. She's distracted with much serving. And it's an all too easy drift even in our day. Uh, if you aren't intentionally anchored into Christ, those cultural influences will inevitably pull you out into that spiritual oblivion. And in fact, then Jesus will go on from this idea of being distracted and he will actually describe the inner workings of this unhealthy busyness. In verse 41, he says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and you are troubled about many things, right? She is anxious. Don't we know it so well? All the things that need to get done. And while, yes, she may have a large list without, it's more so Jesus beginning to speak to her very soul, what's happening on the inside. And, and what he's beginning to point out is your life is now being motivated, not by grace, not by love for Jesus, not by love for others, but now it's just being driven by this anxiety. You know that low-grade anxiety that it just propels you through the day? It's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, gotta keep doing it. And, and, and why do I gotta keep doing it? Well, I gotta, gotta, gotta do it, right? It's just the inner anxiety that, that keeps you on edge, pushing you, like fuel, fuels you through the day to just get all the stuff done. And Jesus is saying, Martha, Martha, you're anxious. And he says, you're troubled. The, the, again, the Greek word, it's just so, so straightforward. It, it actually has the idea of just hurriedness. 
you're troubled, you're hurried about many things. And so you put those together and what Jesus is pointing out within her is this anxious hurriedness. In the world of psychology, they've actually put a title to this. It's called hurried sickness. They define it as a behavioral pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiety. One stat that's connected to that hurried sickness demonstrates that 39% of Americans say they are more anxious than they were a year ago. And that was in 2018. All right, you fast forward that to our day, oh my goodness, right? There is an emotional epidemic, if you will, that is going on. And, and, and it's so pervasive. Don't we know this experience? We live our busy lives motivated by this low-grade anxiety to just get things done. The evil twin of that low-grade anxiety is that low-grade fatigue, right? Anxiety exhausts you. So you're, you're living fueled by anxiety, but always kind of limping through life with this fatigue. I'm weary, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. And so you blaze through your day in, anxi in an anxiety, right, only to crash at the end of the day fatigued, and by then you still can't sleep, and so... Whatever it might be, a few pills, a few different drinks, uh, what, whatever, if you're smoking, whatever you smoke, <laughs> right? Just to take the edge off so you can sleep. And then you're just trying to unwind the mind by, okay, maybe a few episodes of Netflix, and that becomes many more than a few episodes. And then you finally drift off to sleep with a very restless kind of sleep, only to wake up to do it all over again. Driven by anxiety, crashing in fatigue, tempering then the fatigue with substance, and, and then trying to escape the mind by going to entertainment. Do you know it? Okay. All right. I'm not the only one. Great. We're there. So you say, okay, what, what, back to the question, what is an unhealthy busyness that Jesus is pointing out? Well, an unhealthy busyness distracts us from Jesus and is often motivated by an anxious hurriedness that is oftentimes then attended by ongoing fatigue. But finally this from the text, it results in conflicted relationships. Notice verse 40. Martha goes up to Jesus and says, Lord, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? You know, you know it, right? You know this moment when you are slaving away and everyone else is not slaving away, when they're just watching TV, chilling, doing this or that, you know, the kids are playing video games, watching another movie, you know, whatever it is, and there you are, you know, slaving away. This is not fair. When you have been pulled away, distracted in your busyness, from Jesus, who are you left mostly to be aware of? Me. Look what I'm doing, and no one else is doing anything. You, you fall into this, like, self-pity. What an unjust thing for me to be serving in all these ways when no one else is doing anything. And then you begin to hear the 
the, the pans and the pots getting louder and louder and louder and louder. More and more noise coming from the kitchen. What is going on in there, right? Passive aggressive a little bit, right? We know it. We know it all so well. Martha here is flustered. She is angry with others, even to the point where she puts Jesus on trial. She's not just distracted from Jesus, but now she's actually saying, you know what, Jesus, part of this is your fault. Why don't you do something about this? Our unhealthy busyness goes to that extent. It only results in conflicted frustration. When you've lived in that vulnerable state of anxiety and fatigue, it can only then result in conflicted, shallow, strained relationships with others. That's unhealthy busyness. But let's get to the point of what is a healthy busyness. John Mark Homer, who wrote this book, begins uh, answering that question of what is healthy busyness by asking another question. What is the highest value in Christ's kingdom? What would you say? Let's talk. What's the highest value in the kingdom of Jesus? Love. Love is the highest value. It is to even the previous, what Jesus has just been teaching on in the prior verses, he's been teaching on this ethic. Love God and love neighbor. But you have to notice, love is painfully time-consuming. Painfully time-consuming. Just ask Juliet back there. Love is painfully time-consuming. Ask a mother <laughs> about love, and you're going to begin to recognize love requires time. Love requires attention. Love requires putting everything to the side so I can just catch eyes and have relationship. Relationship demands time. Love demands time. So Paul would say it in a simple way. Uh, love is patient. Love is patient. 1 Corinthians 13, right? John Mark Comer goes on to say, there's a reason people talk about walking with God and not running with God or sprinting with God. It's because God is love. You can't rush love. You can't hurry love. Love is something that goes at a slow pace. So John Mark Comer from this book, he actually references a Japanese theologian. And, and this Japanese theologian writes a book. I, I love the, the title. It's called The Three Mile an Hour God. Three miles an hour, right? And the idea of three miles an hour is that's the general speed of walking. He's the, if we could say it this way, he's the walking God. And so he's quoted as saying, God walks slowly because God is love. Love has its speed, he says, and it's slow. <laughs> right? 
So you see in the verses prior to this Mary and Martha interaction, Jesus has just taught on the Good Samaritan. Again, it's a story of love, love overcoming prejudice. And, and you can't get away from the point that love demands time. It requires margin so that your life can even be inconvenienced. To have a life that has enough margin and flexibility in relationship to time that it can bend for the burdens of others. But we'd miss it entirely to think that we could be the good Samaritan in the story, that we could be people of love without realizing our own need for the good Samaritan, Jesus Christ. Catch that? Don't think that, oh, this need to love others is now on my shoulders to produce. You can't. This is not something that comes from you. God is love. <laughs> you are just an image bearer, right? So you are first and foremost to know the love that God supplies so that you have something to give away to others. You are an image bearer. You reflect him. And so 1 John, of course, writes, herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the propitiation for our sins. God has initiated love. God has slowed down for us. He bent down, as it were, to lift up our burdens. And now the Christian life is defined by this, Jesus always, Jesus ever. I got nothing in my tank for loving others if I don't first have a seat at the feet of Jesus, if I don't know his good and kind Samaritan ways upon me, that he has bound me up when I was at my lowest, that he took me in when I was broken down. He is the one who loved me at my worst. He slowed things up for me so that I might now at his feet have love to give away, that he would slow me down enough in my hurry busyness to be one who says, I see you, Jesus. Does he know that he is seen by you? Oh, oh man. Can I go here and be a little like, you sift through the junk that I speak. You're like, ah, the answer's worked out. We can't sing a fourth song. We can't sing a fourth song. Yeah, why not? <laughs> we have to slow down enough. We have to sit at his feet enough. We need to say, Jesus, we see you as beautiful, and Jesus, we know you are seeing us. We need to slow down enough. We need to kind of be placed at his feet without any of the list barring for our attention, buying for our attention, trying to get at us, to hurry us away to the next thing. He's calling us to sit at his feet like Mary. Jesus as it's stated in verse 41, Jesus responds to this hurried and anxious Martha by saying, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Not the thousand and one things. Not your phone dinging, right? 
not the next thing coming on TV or even the next thing at work, not, not all these things that are pulling for your attention. Those aren't the one necessary thing. The one necessary thing, of course, is Jesus. And, and, and what Jesus goes on to say is, Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So a healthy busyness is never first so distracted, so busy to be distracted from Jesus. It is something that strives to be intentionally prioritizing Jesus. It's Jesus first in all things. It must be this one necessary thing, Jesus, that I'm running to. I'm, I'm, I'm intentionally going against the, the impulses and the influences of culture that's going to pull me into the riptide of all the busyness that I'm supposed to be giving my attention to and rather saying, no, I'm with intentionality. I'm going to come and sit at the feet of Jesus. I will not allow the busyness of my life to just strip me away from him. No, he is worthy of my attention and I must know once again that I am seen by him and that he, that I see him. We must be in this healthy busyness all the more, more prioritized, intentional, to keep hold on the anchor of Jesus so we are not swept out to sea by cultural influences. It's like Martin Luther, he writes, I have so much to do today. I have so much to do today that I'm going to need to spend an extra three hours in prayer in order to be able to get it all done. All right? I got so much. The list is so long, which means I need more of Jesus today. I need to slow down and sit at his feet to be before the one necessary thing, the one who is my good Portion, that idea of being a good portion, it goes back to the Old Testament where even God has parsed out the land to all his people, but he says the Levites, they will not have a portion of the land. I will be their portion. He's saying, no, your responsibilities will not be agriculture. It won't be tilling the land. It won't be producing the land. No, what you, your responsibilities will be with me. Focused attention on Yahweh God. I will be your portion. I will be your substance. You won't have need for all that other stuff. No, I will satisfy. I will meet your needs. I will be the sum and substance of your life. Or the psalmist will say in Psalm 73, 26, he'll say, my flesh and my heart may fail. Oh man, I may feel even levels of fatigue within my own body, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He's my lifeline, right? He, he's my substance. He's the thing that I must lean on. By the way, he's Yahweh. He gives you life, breath, and everything. Like how can we even afford to be disconnected from the source, even with the list that we might have to do? It's to say, I need all the more to get close to my Jesus. I need all the more to know the strength that comes from his presence. I need all the more to lean into him who is my portion forever. So what is a healthy busyness? It's one that intentionally prioritizes that one necessary thing, the good portion. And all of life, even busy life, 
is lived out from that place of communion. And if he's your portion, you will actually have something to give away. You can actually live up to the commands that he then gives us to love him and love others. Relationships therein can take on something of a depth of meaning. We are not just skimming through our lives when we have sat at the feet of the one who is life. Busyness may be a necessary part of life, but must arise and flow from that true and vital communion with Jesus. Even to the point so that when announcements are shared in church. We're doing DCs again. We're doing prayer meeting again. We'll probably get outreach going again. It doesn't fall upon an anxious heart to be like, oh no, I gotta busy myself with more things. Say, no, I've sat at the feet of Jesus and I have prioritized him to now say, yes, like, I want to be about those things. I have strength for those things. I have connection with Jesus to, yes, keep those things prioritized since he even commands that we do those things. Now, with all of that said, I don't assume that this sermon corrects everything in our lives. I mean, that, that cycle, and I, I would even go as far as saying that addictive kind of way of being driven by anxiety, that hurried life, that's not something that just, we just snap our fingers. Stop doing that. Okay. All right. I'm done. No, we have wound, it's like a spring that we have wound so tightly, right? And you just don't automatically let that thing fly. It's got to be a slow undoing. And so as we continue to go through our sermon series, that's what we're going to be aiming at. Again, it's this conscious communion with Jesus, which is the one necessary thing. It's what we want to drive after, but it's that Jesus gives us what are referred to as the spiritual disciplines to help us kind of unwind the anxieties of our life, the busy hurriedness of our life. So we can, I'll say it, I'll note it again, uh, I've heard many uh, over the months say, I just don't know what you're talking about when you say you have this conscious communion with the Lord. I don't know what that is. I don't hear from the Lord. I don't, I, I, I can't even like, how do you turn your heart's affection to the Lord? And it is something abstract, but it comes from a place of having experienced it. That the Lord actually wants that level of communion and conversation and interaction with you. But if we're not giving ourselves to the very things that God has commanded us so that we might encounter him in those places, we'll continue to perpetuate that anxious hurriedness. Go, 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 go. When our hearts are anxious, like Martha, we rarely have time, nor even kind of the sensibilities to encounter the depth of relationship that Jesus promises to us. So it takes time. It takes time to kind of unwind. And that's the hope of this sermon series, that we'll be learning uh, the, the spiritual disciplines and applying those to our lives so, yes, that we come to a place of rest at the feet 
of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we honor you and we thank you um, that when we are kind of broken down in our own lives, maybe all wound up with anxieties or maybe just splintering apart with the burdens of life that are upon us, thank you that you have been for us the Good Samaritan, that you came when we were kind of like lying on our spiritual deathbed, dead and broken down, you came to us, you bound us up. And Lord, we would be so arrogant to say, well, we're just healthy now and we can just move on and, and live life the way we see fit. Lord, we need you again and again. Your, your, your kind touch, your, your kind healing, your, 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 your Martha, Martha. <laughs> How we need to hear that again and again so that our hearts would stay tethered to you and not just distracted from you with all the things that so desperately need to happen. So Lord, we need you. We need the slow down. We need that three mile walk. We need not to sprint through our relationship with you, but oh, to slow it down and just kind of slowly walk and commune with you so that we then have margin capacity strength to bend for the burdens of others. Lord, we want to know the sweetness of communion with you and oh then to, to live our lives compelled by your love. That we actually have been given such incredible love that gives us the capacity now to give something away <laughs> to those who are in need. For they need to know this good Samaritan, the one who saved our own soul. So Lord, let it be that you teach us to slow down. Uh, you teach us to walk at three miles an hour uh, with you. And Lord, may it be sweet refreshment, sweet communion with you. We long for it. We long for it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.
If you find that you are caught up in that anxious hurriedness, that low-grade anxiety just keeping you moving, and that's so often attended with that just weariness and kind of that, that low-grade fatigue that always comes from it. Um, I'd encourage you with these words from 1 Thessalonians 5. It says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. One of the ways to begin breaking the anxieties in our life is to slow down enough to just count your blessings and give praise. This is his will for you. That in worship, anxiety has no place. That when we are focused on our God, when we are, when we are training our hearts to render thanksgiving and gratitude to him, anxiety has no place. It's to go back to that same God. <laughs> And in all circumstances, in all the, the hurried moments where you feel like anxiety might be taken over, it's to slow down enough to just render him praise. Even if your mind is so wound up you can't even find things to actually praise him for, just praise him. Just lift the name of Jesus. Just lift the name of Jesus. He will be a mighty tower for you. He is the one who unwinds the anxious heart. And you'll find him saying, Martha, Martha, come to me. I'm the one necessary thing, the one good portion. So, Lord, I pray for all those who, who may be feeling those, that anxiety. Uh, Jesus, we confess, you are the one who sets the captives free. Man, when our hearts are just seemingly bound to this, this trend, it's like anxiety just cuts that's a, a kind of a rhythm, a pattern in our hearts and lives. It's caverns that have been cut out by ongoing anxiety, and it's hard to break those patterns. It's hard to crawl out of those caverns after anxiety has kind of ruled for so long. And so, Lord, we ask that you would fill those caverns with the river of your presence. Lift us up and lift us out of those tight places lift us out of our anxieties as we would slow down simply in moments where we feel tense to set our minds on you to say jesus 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 i can't i can't even gather my thoughts enough to thank you for anything but i'll lift your name and lord would you be ever so kind and good as you've promised to be to lift us lift us up out of those caverns of anxiety to set us free in your presence lord we we don't want Lord, we just don't want to look anywhere else. We know there's things that physically we may need and can benefit from. Uh, but Lord, you are the giver of life. You give life, breath, all things. You are the sum and you are the substance. You are life and life in abundance. And so, Lord, we don't want to look elsewhere. We want to look to you. We want to see you get the glory for lifting us out of those anxious patterns of life. Spirit, I pray that for many this week, they would, they would come 
maybe just would you be so kind to interrupt moments of anxiety where it's just like it's all too clear that you are the one who sees us. You see us. You see us. And because you see us, we, we come to that realization, we got to lift our heads up. We got to lift our eyes up. When everything is going wrong around us, when the list of stuff is overwhelming, that it just brings us to this point of looking, being able to look nowhere else but up, up to you, to catch your eyes, how good it is, like a young child lifting his eyes to just see his father, see his mother, knowing, okay, I, all right, all right, you got me. You got me. We've caught eyes. Lord, let it be for those who are struggling that they would find you setting them free in your presence. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.
Uh, one final thing. Um, women, you got your thing afterwards upstairs. Um, also next week, next Sunday evening, 6 o'clock, we have a combined service with the Northeast and Frankfurt up on Ashton Road. So if you need specifics on like directions or whatever, feel free to ask. It'd be great to have a little crew here be able to go up there and participate in uh, worship together. So just wanted to put that on your radar for next Sunday, 6 p.m. up at Ashton Road, Grace City Church of the Northeast. Hope to see you there. You're dismissed.